Today's scripture comes from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you this morning. And my name is also Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you, um, I have yet to taste the Popeye's chicken sandwich. So if you do text 97,000, then I'll be sure um, if I can be the first one to respond to grab one of those sandwiches with you. Uh, This year for the Advent season, we're looking at John's version of the Christmas story. And as you just heard Jason read, it's a different version than maybe we're used to hearing and thinking about during Christmas. There's no Mary, no Joseph, no manger, no angels, uh, no sheep. None of of that's here. And, you know, it could be easy for us to become familiar with those cast of characters, which, of course, are... Uh, essential to the Christmas story and message, but it can be also, we could get a little sentimental about the manger scene, shepherds, little baby, and wise men that we miss the shocking claim of what Christmas is saying, that the Word became flesh, that God entered into our world as a human being. And we maybe don't take time to think about it, its truth, and therefore, if we're kind of just wrapped up in in the sentimentality of it all, we can miss the power. We can miss the impact of Christmas. For many of us, Christmas is very busy. It's very hectic. We just kind of pass through the season, and we get to the end of it, and we're like, what happened? I was looking forward to Christmas, but did it actually happen? That was so fast. It becomes very busy. Well, the thing about John's version of the Christmas story is that it can't really be understood, and it really won't have any impact on us if we rush through it. This can't be rushed. And that's why we're taking four weeks together to be very slow, to be very thoughtful about these, just these 18 verses in John chapter 1. The language here is very simple, and yet it is deeply profound. This is probably one of the, if not the most profound section in the entire Bible. In our passage for this morning, our focus is going to be on how Jesus is described and called the light. John says here, to really understand Jesus' birth, for us to understand Christmas, we have to talk about light and darkness. We have to talk about both. At Christmas, for most of us, for 
maybe most of us, we prefer to just stay with the light side of things. We want happy holidays, Merry Christmas, it's merry and bright. And we want to have that lightheartedness with Christmas. And we prefer not to think about the darkness. Let me share a quick story for two weekends ago. This just happened for us. Uh, after Thanksgiving, our family was up at Forest Home. It's a, a Christian conference center for a weekend family camp. Uh, we've been before for summers. We've never been before for, um, for the winter holiday camp. And as you may remember, a few weeks ago over Thanksgiving, it snowed uh, in the mountains. It snowed a lot. We could see it fr- from down here, uh, which is great fun. There was snow everywhere. And our kids got to play in it, but as we got into uh, the camp and we entered into the room where we were staying, we went to go flip on the light switch. It was starting to get dark, and we're like, what's going on? The lights, the lights aren't turning on, and we come to find out there's no power. The snow was so heavy, it was falling on all the branches, and it knocked out uh, the power lines up there on the mountains. So we weren't prepared for that. All I brought in kind of the frenzy of packing was this one very dim flashlight, a little super tiny flashlight. We're like, this is not going to be sufficient for us. Later that, that evening when they were gathering us together in the, in the meeting, the camp director got up and he said, I have good news for everyone. We have flashlights for all of you. And everybody was like, yes, because... We were all thinking we're going to go back into our rooms, and it's pretty much like pitch black in there, trying to figure out how to get ready for bed and all of that. Now, imagine this story. Uh, If the power was working just fine, lights were working, and the camp director got up and said, hey, everyone, thanks for coming. We're so glad that you are here. We have a special gift for you. We have flashlights for everyone. Everyone would have said, "Um, thank you. I guess that's, that's a pretty nice little gift. Whatever, thank you. But because we knew we were facing the night in the darkness, we were all like, that is the best gift you could give us all. I share that because at Christmas, as John says, we need to talk about light and darkness. So we can see what happens when Jesus, the light, meets our darkness. Now, some of you, like I said, during this this season would say, can't we just talk about the light? Can't we just focus on the light, a merry and bright Christmas? John is saying here, you need the whole truth. You need light, and you need to think about darkness. If not, Christmas for you, it'll just be like, it'll be like this. It'll be like Jesus is this flashlight. Here's the flashlight, but you're in a bright room already. And you're like, well, that's, that's nice. That's an interesting gift. But it won't have the impact it's meant to have. Others of you uh, this morning, and this can be in particular intensified during the holiday season and Christmas, you resonate with the fact that there is darkness. There's loneliness. There's loss and grief and confusion and disappointment. You can't see the light or it's very, very dim for you and you need hope. Jesus needs to be for you like a light turned on when all is dark around you and the power seems to have gone out. What we're going to do this morning is look at verse 5 for our outline. If you're following along and taking notes, you'll see an outline. It's just verse 5. In verse 5, 
Using the image of light, John gives us in one verse, in one sentence, the story of the whole Bible, the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus, and the story of every person who comes to believe in Jesus. He says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we're going to unpack this by looking at each phrase. The light, what is it? In the darkness, what is that? And finally, the triumph of the light over darkness. How does that happen and what does that mean for us? First, the light shines. Light is the main theme here. It's pretty clear. It's the main picture in verses 4 through 9. The word light is used seven times in these six verses. And it's a very rich and multifaceted picture and metaphor. John is using the image of light to tell us who Jesus is, his person, as well as to tell us what it is that Jesus gives us. He says in verse 9, you see that both are there, the true light, who Jesus is, that gives light, what he gives us. He says, this is what was coming into the world. Just a, a quick illustration to kind of understand what John is saying. The sun in our solar system, is it light or does it give us light? You would say, well, Yes, it's both. It's the source of light, and it gives us all of our light. And the thought is very similar here. But look closely at what John says. He doesn't say, Jesus gave us light when he was born at Christmas. In verse 4 and 5, notice that John actually isn't referring to Jesus' birth at all. That comes later in the passage. He says in verse 5, the light shines He doesn't say the light shone, present tense. He says the light shines, present tense. What does that mean? We have to look at the full context to get the complete thought here. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning, God was the Word, or in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. Apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is saying, when God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit created all things, verses 2 and 3, and in the creation of humanity, verse 4, the, light that, the life that was in all men, that light. In the creation of all things, and in the creation of humanity, the light of God, this is saying, has been put inside us and is shining all around us. Now, what does that mean? We need to define light. What does that mean? The light of God is in us and shining all around us. Light here means Revelation. That's the main picture that John is is giving us, revelation of the truth, the truth about who God is, the truth about ourselves, and the truth about the world that God made. That's the broadest definition of the light. Other places in in Scripture uh, talk about this as well. Acts 17, Paul is talking to people who who are not familiar with the biblical story, uh, people who are... Um, seeped in Greco-Roman worldview, and he says to them, this God that I'm talking to you about, Jesus, uh, the Son of God, he says, in him 
We live and move and have our being. He is not far from us. He's saying the light is all around us. It's all around you. It's shining. And in Romans 1, Paul says, what can be known about God, he's talking about everyone, is evident because God has shown it to us. His power and his divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world. And later in Romans 2, he talks about this law, God's law written on the heart. So not only is the light all around us, the light is within us. This truth about God and ourselves and the world. Theologians call this the light of nature, the light that God is shining all around us and in every person. So John is saying here in verse 4, this is the light that is shining, present tense, from the creation of the world all the way until now. And you might say, somebody might say, hold on. But God seems so hidden. This, the truth about God seems so hard, hard to find. Some people are agnostics, feel like I can't, I can't see the truth of, of God. Some people are atheists who deny the truth of God. How can that be if God has given us light in us and all around us? Well, there are many examples of what, what this means. Let me share a few. What does it mean that the light shines? First, the light shines in our search for meaning. This quote is, is written for you in the bulletin, um, in the reflection quotes. It comes from C.S. Lewis. He says this, If the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe, therefore no creatures with eyes. We should never know it was dark. Dark would be without meaning. He's saying, we all have the organs for meaning. We can call it our soul or our spirit or whatever. Someone might be able to say intellectually, the world is meaningless, all is matter, everything is chemical reactions. But we can't accept it. We can't live like that's true, that there really is no meaning, that words and relationships in life is meaningless. We search for it. We want it to be true. Even saying the, wor the, the world is meaningless, there is no meaning, how does that sentence even have meaning if there is no meaning? The point is that there is great meaning in the universe. We all seek it. We all want it to be true. And that is the light shining, the search for meaning. There's also morality, the reality of right and wrong. I know we've, we've kind of never probably been more divided as a culture and as a nation, but the one thing we can all agree on is some people are right and some people are wrong. And usually we say, well, I'm, I'm in the right crowd. <laughs> That we all think of ourselves. And we might deba debate the particulars of it, but we can't escape our sense that right and wrong are real things. More than our personal preferences, more than our cultural preferences, right and wrong are real. And for right and wrong to be real, it takes a personal law, it takes a lawgiver, it takes a standard and a person who is pure light. There is an inescapability of right and and wrong. That is the light shining. One more example. I'll call it the happy ending. There's something inside of us that believes and that hopes that good will triumph over evil, that light will overcome darkness and will win 
in the end. We don't want to hear, we don't want to tell stories or pass along to our children the kinds of stories that say, and darkness triumphed over evil, the end. And in the end, evil won, and injustice covered the earth. There's something deep inside of us that says, no, that can't be true. That isn't true. The hope of the happy ending, John says, that also is the light shining. Now, these are just some of the ways that the light shines, that the truth about God and ourselves and the world shines, and we can't escape it. It's shining all around us. It's shining within us. Meaning, morality, right, wrong, the hope of the happy ending. These aren't just flickers of light. Like, yeah, maybe that's a little bit in touch with our human experience. These are core aspects of our life as human beings in the world that cut across all cultures and all people. These are radiant beams of God that are shining, saying, this is who I am, this is who you are, this is what you were made for. John says that's shining. This is God revealing the truth about us. But our passage says there is another force at work in the world and in us, and that is what John calls darkness. If light is revelation then darkness is alienation and separation. Separation from God and all the effects and the consequences of being separated from him. That's the darkness. Now, without getting too abstract or lost in this thought, think about this. Just as physical darkness doesn't have its own existence on its own, that it's the absence of light, so spiritual darkness in the Bible And this is what John says here in chapter 1. It's not an equal force opposed to God, a co-eternal force that existed alongside God and his light. Rather, it is when our world and our lives and parts of us are closed off to God, closed off, shut out to the light of God. Light and darkness is one of the main images the Bible gives us of the reality of our separation from God, of sin and its effects. It's like, to share an illustration, it's like in a bright summer day here in Southern California, no clouds are in the sky, it's very bright outside, but instead of going out into the light, we choose to stay into our homes, we pull the curtains, we put towels under the door, we block out any cracks of light, and we stay inside in the darkness. And so we're stumbling around. We don't know what's true about the world out there of ourselves and of God because we're living in the dark. Verse 5, John says, the light shines in the darkness. What happens when light shines in the darkness? Well, there are two reactions. There are two things that happen when light begins to shine in darkness. First, it attracts. It draws us in. When you're out at night and it's a clear night, maybe you're away from from the city, you're out somewhere uh, in a rural area and you are out where the stars can really be seen. And you look up into the sky. 
What are you drawn to? What do your eyes see? You're looking at the stars and you're going, oh my gosh, look how bright that is and look how bright that is. You're not saying, look at that dark space right there. Isn't that amazing? Oh, and another dark, look at the dark space over there. Your eyes are drawn and attracted to the light. The search for meaning, right and wrong, the happy ending, all of these are light shining. This is truth about God, about us, about the world. Even if we try to block God out of our lives, we can't block out these things. And we don't want to. These are meant to draw us to him, to attract us to him and to the life that is in him. They show us the truth that we so want to be true. So in our little home, we just crack the curtain just a little bit because we need that light to come through. When light shines in the darkness, it attracts. But there's another thing that happens when the light shines in darkness. It also exposes it reveals things that we can't see in the dark that we don't want to see or to be seen. The best place um, to eat, the best kind of restaurant to eat if you are someone who has a problem with uh, clean eating and you tend to spill on your clothes and on your pants like I do, the best place to have a nice fine dinner is somewhere very dark. Because then if you spill on yourself, no one will see and it won't be revealed or exposed. We're called to confession this morning, John 1. The same author in his epistle, First uh, John, says this. This is the message we heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. The light that shines in the darkness, the pure light of God, no darkness at all. This light reveals and exposes our sin, our darkness, darkness that is in us and around us that we don't want to see. That's what light does. Now, in the Bible, when a person encounters the light of God's presence, the God who is light, there is absolutely no darkness in him, his glory and his holiness. When the light of God shines most directly to a human being, what happens? Every time that person wants to run, that person wants to hide and fall face down and say, I don't want to look. I can't look. I can't be in the presence of this light. Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. But he said, Moses, no man can see my glory and live. I will hide you in the cleft of this rock and pass by you to protect you from my light. At Mount Sinai, when God was revealed in his fiery presence, the people said, we don't want to even go anywhere near that mountain. Moses, you go for us. We can't stand that kind of light. Isaiah, in his vision of the glory of God, said, woe is me. I cannot look. I am ruined. Daniel, two times when he encountered the glorious vision of God, he said, I fell down on my face like a dead man in the presence of that light. What did God have to say to all these people? Do not be afraid. They're afraid of the light and the truth that it reveals about them. Later on in this gospel, just a few chapters later, Jesus says this about the light. John three nineteen. 
and 20. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Jesus is saying every one of us hides from the light, the light of God. We're avoiding it. Outside, we're in our little house, to come back to that illustration, outside, our house is light, is truth about God, about us, about the world, but we're too afraid to go outside because then who we really are will be exposed. The philosopher Plato said, we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. I think that's true. And the Bible says, this is the real tragedy of life. When we are afraid of what happens when our darkness meets the light of God. That is the real tragedy. So we stay in the dark. What was the immediate effect of sin when it entered into the human race in Eden? Sin was committed and then what happened? Adam and Eve went into darkness. They went into hiding to cover themselves up, to hide from God. In shame and in guilt and in fear. Fear of what will happen when the real full truth about us meets the full truth about God. And this is where Christmas comes in. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In Jesus, the truth about God, the truth about us, the truth about our world came into the world to show us in the most clear and the most personal way as one of us, the word becoming flesh, light becoming one of us, to show us that we don't have to be afraid of the light. How? How so? Well, Christmas, Jesus, the light, who came into the world, shows us two things that are true at the exact same time. One, the darkness is darker than we ever feared, than we'd ever want to face. But the light is stronger and better than anything we could ever dare hope was true. The only way for God to show us the reality of darkness according to Christmas, is for him to come into the world and to show us himself. What if, consider this question, what if the light of God were to completely stop shining in us and around us, what would happen? Utter separation from the light. This is what Jesus the light chose when he came into the world not only to live in the darkness of a fallen and a broken world, but to go into the darkest darkness on the cross, where there was utter separation from God, where there was no light at all, where he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so in a, in a very real but mysterious sense, we can say the light of Jesus went dark. The absence of God 
the judgment of God came upon him. That is the darkness we choose in our sin and in moving away from God. This is what sin is, and this is what sin deserves. That's what Christmas shows us. Jesus came to show us that. But at the same time, Christmas says that God would come to us as one of us to experience the darkness for us instead of us. What is the light then that God wants us to see? What is the truth, the most important truth and light that God wants to shine on us? It's this. We don't have to be afraid of the light. The darkness is no match for the light. If we come out of the darkness into his light and we are totally revealed and exposed in all of our sin, in all of our brokenness, he doesn't reject us. He takes it on himself and drives it away from us. That is why the light came into the world. to tell us he knows everything about us, all the darkness, and he loves us still. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Early, I, earlier in the sermon, I said, verse 5, in that verse, we have the whole story of the Bible. We have creation, fall. We have recreation, the light shining, the darkness, and the victory of the light. We have the story of Jesus, the story of Christmas, all there in verse 5. Jesus, the light, he came into our darkness as one of us. He entered into the deepest darkness in our place, but his life overcame sin and death and evil. So there's the story of Jesus. And this is the story also of all who come out of the dark to believe in Jesus. The light shines into our darkness, which is real, which is darker than we'd ever want to admit and face. But the darkness in us and around us will not overcome the light. I want to close with two application points. First, we don't have to be afraid of the light. That's what the gospel tells us. Now, what does that mean? The gospel says we can have full and complete honesty about ourselves about how we struggle, about the darkness that we experience, about the ways that we don't measure up to the light that God has even shown to us. We can be completely free from pretending and hypocrisy and hiding. We read this earlier in our confession, a part of it, but 1 John, if we can put that up on the screen, the epistle of 1 John 1, 5 through 10. He says this, this is the message we've heard from him. We proclaim to you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What is he saying here? 
John is saying, whatever truth God wants to show us about ourselves, however hard it is, however weak and shameful it makes us feel, it needs to come out into the light as confession. The worst thing we can do is hide in the dark. That's a lie. So the truth about us is yes, there still is darkness within us, but we bring that out. We don't have to be afraid to bring that out into the light. God won't turn us away. God won't bring condemnation and punishment on you. God won't bury you in, sh in shame and in guilt. All that was what Jesus took on in the darkness of the cross. What God wants for us, what is he saying? Fellowship with him and fellowship with one another. When we're afraid of the light, when we're afraid to confess, to say, to confront to ourselves the full truth about ourselves, the darkness that we feel, the darkness that even is a part of us, we cut ourselves off from relationship. That's what he's saying. We don't have fellowship with God. We don't have fellowship with one another. The gospel says we have the freedom to confess, and with that freedom, we have true relationship with God and true fellowship and relationship with one another. We don't have to be afraid of the light. And we never have to be afraid of the dark. Darkness is real and hard. What John is saying here is there is no darkness that is too dark. There's no such thing as a flash dark. We have a flash light. But there's no such thing as, you can't take darkness and come into a lighted place and somehow darkness pushes out the light. It doesn't work like that. It's an unequal battle. It's not a fair match. Light, when light is present, light wins always. The darkness never can overcome the light. For those of you now who are facing darkness, looking for light, do you see the promise here in this text? The way that this chapter begins, in the beginning. This is a story of creation and new creation. In the beginning, God who spoke. What was the first thing God spoke? Let there be light. The God who spoke all things into existence. The light of creation. John is saying, this light, this light is with you. Now, what makes Jesus distinct and different from all other religious teachers and all other founders of any religion, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He didn't say, I came to show you the light of the world. I came to teach you the light that you have been missing out on. He said, I am the light. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, the apostle Paul says, for God who said... Let light shine out of darkness. The God of creation has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. What is the light that is stronger than any darkness we face? It's not anything in us. It is Jesus. It's not a, an insight that we need. It's not more information. It is the person of Jesus himself that we look to when things get so dark. In The Lord of the Rings, we're finishing that up. I'm reading that with one of our sons. One of my favorite parts of The Lord of the Rings is when uh, Galadriel, 
who is the elf queen, one of these um, powerful elf queens. She gives gifts uh, to all the, the, the members of the fellowship, these adventurers, in their battle against darkness. And what she gives to Frodo, one of the main characters, is a little vial of light. And she says to him, may it be a light to you when all other lights go out. Friends, the good news of the gospel is Jesus is a light. A light to you when all other lights go out. In Psalm, 30, in Psalm 139, the psalmist is praying. He's praying about the absence of God. He's praying and struggling with God about times when it feels like God is far and there is only darkness. And he says in Psalm 139, if I say to you, God, surely the darkness will hide me. The light around me will be night. He says, though, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Friends, let me just tell you this. This passage says the darkness, no matter how dark it gets, the one who went into the deepest darkness for you, he is with you. He promises himself to be with you. That is the good news of Christmas. That is the story of the whole Bible. That is the story of Jesus. That is the story of all who believe in him. John 12, 46. Jesus says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Friends, let us put our faith in him. Let us run to him, the light of the world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that despite the fact that you have already shown us so much about who you are, about us, about our world, enough to make us without excuse, but that didn't prevent you from coming as light to show us the truth that we feel is too good to be true, that we don't have to be afraid of the light, that we can come with all of our darkness, with all of our struggles, with everything going on within us, and you won't drive us away. I pray that that would sink deeply into our hearts where it needs to draw us out in honesty and confession. Draw us out, Father. Draw us out into the light where it needs to sink deep to be encouragement, to be the thing that we can hold on to to give us light in darkness. I pray you would help us reach out even with the weak hands of faith and hold on to the light that we need. Thank you that the light shines, even when we don't see it. The light that overcomes the darkness shines. May that be our hope, and may that get deeply into our souls this Christmas, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.